Well, the stuff that they put on the internet about Freemasonry, ridiculous. What's that new movie, Killers of the Flower Moon? Yeah, we'll sh I'll show everybody. Remove the book. All right, brother, stand up. Stand up. Elbows on the table. I am a 32nd degree Mason. I am imbued with confidence, trust, and responsibility, among other things. Yes, sir. You know what that is? No, sir. opening scenes obviously they're utilizing a paddle to punish one of obviously he's a member mm -hmm. um, Robert De Niro announces himself as a 32nd degree Mason which both of us are um, in the northern jurisdiction for our out-of-state listeners um, to at what point is it Masonry's job to defend itself from something like that and it's one thing if it's regular guys but these are Hollywood's finest. This is the fourth part podcast, a podcast made by Freemasons to be enjoyed by all. The opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own and do not reflect any Grand Lodge stance or opinion. And now here are your hosts, the grumpiest past master. And the OG Danielson. Welcome to season two of the fourth part podcast. I'm your host, the grumpiest past master, and with me is my co-host, the OG Danielson. And uh, welcome back. Great. We're coming into the new year. It is. Right now, it's Christmas time at the time of this filming, and uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to everybody, and um, you excited? I know it's you're halfway through your Masonic year. Are you? Uh, how's your year going? So far, the year's going great. Um, I've had a lot of support from the brothers. Uh, there's been a smooth transition. My predecessor left me uh, the lodge in, in good health, so... I had really haven't had to worry about too many things that were on the table. Um, I had to, I, I feel now it's just to c continue his progress and then, you know, form some identity with that. But um, I, I, I feel one of the things that as mass you get kind of wrapped up in is establishing an identity and leaving your legacy as opposed to continuing progress for the lodge itself. Mm -hmm. And with that comes legacy, but there has to be a smooth transition from master to master in order to continue an upward trend of progress. All right, so I kind of want to ask about how your year is going because really you are the steward of 
protecting the lodge. The Borshful Master, he's in charge of running the lodge for the year, and he is the steward of protecting his lodge for that year. That kind of goes back to what we were just saying about these uh, movies and social medias and conspiracy theorists and all that kind of stuff, bringing up the most ridiculous things that don't happen in masonry. And I think in general... Outside of the few brothers here or there that have a voice on social media or, um, you know, some sort of like maybe they're, uh, you know, well known in the community, you know, speaking about it. I think Masonry does a bad job of standing up and going, no, that's not us. Like, that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, some of the stuff is funny. You know, some of the conspiracy theories are kind of funny. So you kind of go, all right, we'll let that one just roll because right. it's so ridiculous. It's kind of hilarious. But when you have actors like Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't know, they didn't write it, so it's not their fault, you know, portraying something so outlandish and so ridiculous. And I know there's artistic um, components to, you know, when things are written, but masonry, everything about masonry is showing the world how a good of a person you can be. And when you do a specific attack like that where it's so blatantly wrong that it could actually do damage to the fraternity without saying anything, I think Masonry does a poor job in standing up. And that's kind of like where us not having a centralized, um, you know, grandmaster of everything, that's kind of where that comes from. There's no grand lodge of the whole world to stand yeah, up. No and no to it. Right. You know, you'd have to get... Every rep. Grand Lodge, yeah, to kind of stand together and go, come on, this is not right. Well, let me ask you one thing. Um, when you say attack, what, in your opinion, because there there are fraternities that do kind of fall into that practice of mm -hmm. hazing members that we've seen through the news. I don't belong to any, but you've seen through, you know, documentaries or whatnot that certain fraternities do partake in hazing rituals like that. Why does Masonry opt against that and building that brother-to-brother -brother trust? Because that's that's the biggest part of you growing as a person. You saying that you're supposed to trust the other brothers in that room. There's nothing more of a breakdown in trust than being paddled like that. Well, harassment. Yeah. Um, yes, there are there are Greek fraternities. That's a part of it, you know. But that's known, you know, when you're going into it. I was in a Greek fraternity, mm. you know. I'm not going to talk about what you know what we did. Every fraternity and sorority's got their yeah, their own thing, you know. But you know, you know what you're going to be in for when you go to pledge beforehand. Masonry does not condone or even kind of sell anything along those lines. So it's supposed to be a, a mental exercise, a spiritual exercise in growing as a person. Right. There shouldn't be capital. Like it doesn't can't be anything more against what masonry is about than something like that. Right. You know, building trust in a brother. And, you know, you have a certain secret veil over what masonry is. There's so much of it out there that that's kind of what protects it. Right. So now when you're hoodwinked, if you will, um, you, you, you have to go through 
the degrees to kind of know what's actually happening because there's so much of it out there. You can go into a Barnes and Nobles and you can buy a Duncan's ritual and read it and it's still not close to what actually happens. But, you know, when you have something in Hollywood that's portrayed where you have hazing like that and the belittling of a brother or a brother feels like it's his duty to do that to you, you know, and he's announcing himself as a Mason. It's not for the viewer to kind of interpret. They're blatantly saying, I'm a 32nd degree Mason. Mm-hmm. And then he goes about punishing this 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 brother. Um, again, I feel we don't do anything we don't we don't do as much as we should as a fraternity to defend the fraternity. We kind of just look the other way. But in essence, if that was your name in a job place or workplace and yeah. you know something like that was happening, it would be your duty to defend it, no? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You 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 wouldn't allow someone to soil soil your good name. Right. And I mean, listen, it's every mason should look at that scene and go, you know what? Like I wear a square and compass ring. I wear a square and compass hat. Like I don't want the world to think this is what this this guy. This is the type of character this person emulates. That's when, what you guys go when, through, <laughs> right? When every mason does the amazing work that they do in charitable ways in their community with their family, and they work very hard for their lodge and for their community for their families to show how good of a person they are for it to just be stripped away for artistic, you know, purposes right. in, a, in a movie. You know, it's 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 not like it's a fictional, going back to what you said, it's not like it's a fictional lodge and it's mm-hmm. not called the Mace to Freemasons and he comes up and he says, I am some other, you know, like whatever. And it's, yeah. it's not a real thing and it kind of like, resembles a Masonic Lodge or an Oddfellows Lodge or some, you know, it could be kind of like ambiguous, you know, it could be kind of anything. But the fact that he says that, like specifically, I'm a 32nd degree Mason, that that should upset Masons around the world and say, that's that's not fair. That's, you know. I would almost be inclined to find out who. Would it be any different if you said it like you said earlier? I am a Knights of Columbus. Right. You know, I'm a Rotarian, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm a I'm a Protestant. Like, let's go even further. You know, like into th- religions. If there's some sort of like ridiculous thing that they start saying, like they would piss those groups off. Of course, you know all the groups around the world that do good things. You know, because yeah, there's an integrity, especially in an organization like we have, and then you have concordant bodies like the Shrine and all the good work that they do. Mm-hmm. You almost take some sting out of it. But I'm almost inclined to do some research and find out who produced that scene. I guarantee you he was uh, NPD'd on dues or something because the accuracy and the setup of the lodge is accurate. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's extremely accurate. The, <laughs> I mean, it could very well have been just shot in a lodge and they didn't realize <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what they were allowing them to do, you know. I mean, there and there's some Masonic lodge buildings that are no longer Masonic buildings that, you know, they could could film in. That right. are privately owned. There's, you know, the Masonic in Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the Detroit Masonic Temple. It's it's a private organization now. Yeah. But lodges do meet there. I don't know if you ever heard this story. Mm-hmm. So, the singer from the White Stripes. You know the band? No. Really? No, no. No, I'm sorry. Okay, so the singer of the White Stripes 
apparently was like the the purchaser or the savior of the Detroit Masonic Temple. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a venue now that they do uh, the concerts at and stuff. So apparently he had like the when the White Stripes were new, they had some of their first concerts there when they were like getting big. And his mother, I guess, was Eastern Star. And he remembers how all the good things that she did and, uh, you know, what she was involved in. And he had such fond memories of the Detroit, Detroit Masonic Temple, which is an enormous building. That's actually the that first he building, actually, yeah. That he actually decided to come in and save it and allow the lodges to still meet really? there. Wow. Because he knew that how, how good masonry was. And, he, you know, he, you, you know, there's a business aspect of it. He's got to make some money. But, you know, he did carve a space for them to always be able to, to meet there. Yeah, to save an asset like that. I mean, I know at one point that was one of the first buildings in the Western Hemisphere to have air conditioning, like central air. Really? They used to bring in blocks of ice and um, in the basement, and they would pump air conditioning through that building. That's crazy. Scientifically, like, second to none in that part of the world at that point in time. I wonder when they built that. I had to look up the exact day that they built. It's got to be turn of the century. The, the Detroit Masonic Temple. It's It's... You think it's turn of the century? I would think so. It's old. I know that. Let's see. We're creating a spot for our sponsors, so if you ever want to chime <laughs> in. <laughs> um, At this time. Yeah, but, I mean, here, man, like, if if somebody if somebody attacked you personally, you would react to it. Like, on not, like, attacked you, like, like just insulting you for the sake of insulting you. I mean, that's how I view it as yeah, an attack. Yeah, I mean, it's insulting your your character for no reason. It should upset you. Now people go, oh, you know, sticks and stones don't break. You know, won't break my bones. But you know what? When you put a lot of effort and you use this term a lot, you know, your brand, you know. But for me, it's just your reputation. It's your name. You know, it's it's if you if you put everything you can and you you know you're giving your all to something. And somebody with just a quick comment, you know, takes destroy a, it all. Just can destroy it all and swipe at it because because they have the platform, you know, it's it's upsetting. You and know, it, it goes back to these two Goliaths in the in the music uh, movie industry. I'm sorry, um, Leonardo DiCaprio and and Robert De Niro. This is going to get views, and then you know, I'm somebody who, and as well as you are, we. We wear that square and compass as a prideful emblem. Uh, I try to live up to the teachings, and I'm very proud to be part of this fraternity. So to see something like that, it's almost, it's so distasteful for Hollywood, in my opinion, because the size of this fraternity, and it's worldwide, there's a brother out there that might have been interested in, in this fraternity or there's brothers currently um, in this fraternity and there could be anybody from presidents to regular workers and then you see something like that and the first comment you get is oh that's what you went through <laughs> you know it's uh it's shameful in a way to see something like that allowed in movies because again it's disrespectful to the fraternity in my opinion okay so here's the Here's the, the details on it. So Jack White mm -hmm. from the White Stripes. Mm -hmm. His mom was an usher there in the building. Okay. And worked there. And he paid their, he recently paid their taxes 
because they couldn't pay the taxes on it. Okay. It was like a hundred and forty something thousand dollars that he paid to save the building. That's actually not bad. <laughs> Did you see when it was built? Nineteen twenty. Nineteen twenty. Okay. A lot of things went on around that. I time. mean, we say like, oh, it's only nineteen twenty. Dude, it's one hundred and three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, but if you look at a lot of the the prestigious buildings that went up and came down around that time, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's the, le- the, the amount. Club, yeah, dude, the amount of it almost I can't conceive the amount how much this country was flourishing that there was enough free capital to build something like that. Think think about it right now. Now, Masons in the 21st century in the United States, okay? Yes, we've had our we've had our rich and our famous brothers. But that's that's not and that's not like masonry. That's not the body of masonry. And we've said that before like yes, we've got the George Washingtons, we've got the you know, the Benjamin Franklins. We've got all these famous people, the Henry Fords, you know. But the meat and potatoes of Freemasonry is just guys like me and you. Right. Just normal people who have normal lives, who get involved in their communities and their lodges, and, you know, live a middle-class existence. I try to think, okay, our lodge... We have, I think, like the f- what I looked it up once, mm-hmm. the fourth or fifth most members fifth. in the entire state of New York right now, and we're like 189 or something like that. Mm-hmm. If every brother paid five hundred dollars, I I don't. <laughs> I couldn't imagine building a building, let alone the Detroit Masonic Temple. I don't know if you could, with the entire state of New York, collect enough money from brothers where it wouldn't, where brothers would be able to handle it. So, what do you think right now with the way the economy is? Mm-hmm. A middle class brother, you think they'd be able to donate if they knew they were going to build something like the? We're going to build the best building we can. How much money do you think a brother can hand, can get together if you gave him a year? I'd say maybe a hundred bucks. Yeah, a hundred, two hundred bucks. Okay. There's not enough brothers in the state right. to come up with enough money to build something even as close to as big and as palatial as like the the Detroit Masonic Temple or even the Indianapolis Scottish Rite Cathedral, yeah. which is insane. That would cost a billion dollars to build something like that now. Yeah, that you a- couldn't, even if you quadrupled ten times the number of membership in the state, I don't think you'd be able yeah. to come up with enough money to do that. It's crazy. It's a dying art, though. We, we live in a microwave society. You see it uh, a lot of times in the memberships and in, in, in fraternities and some of these clubs, I know people that are in some of these um, railroad clubs, these Lionel clubs, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's hard. You have the older group of guys who have been there for a longer time to get somebody new. You know the instant gratification that that society faces nowadays. It's hard to even find somebody dedicated enough to say, you know what, I'm 
I want to see it happen, and I'm so, um, I, I've bought so into this idea that I'm gonna see it through. I I think the Washington, the Lincoln um, Memorial, right? The the obelisk in, in that's Washington, the Washington, Washington Monument. Monument. I'm sorry, um, the amount of Grand Lodges around the world that donated pieces of stone to that. You know, it's 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 we're we're such a unit that really the sky is the limit. But to get guys on board, I think you have to improve the Masonic experience. I remember being in the fan room, and I say this, you know, I've said this before. I was going through one of the filing cabinets, and I found a folder. When I opened up the folder, it was a, a lady who had donated $15,000 mm -hmm. to the lodge. And, you know, she, she gave 10000 to the lodge to do it, do what... Do with it as she saw fit, as we saw fit, and then five thousand was to put flowers out on her grave every Mother's Day and Easter. Uh, I think to myself, what kind of place was this that she felt that she had to leave it to continue to replicate that experience for the members? And also, are we doing our due diligence to recreate that? And when you have buildings like our building or some of these other buildings, because masonry blew up in that time. Now you're you're forced to focus on how to maintain the assets, which before were the members. Mm -hmm. Now it's the buildings and uh, a lot of the other things inside those buildings. Now you're maintaining that, what to do with it, who, how to paint this, how to maintain it, who's getting this, who's getting that. So now you're managing those assets as opposed to creating the experience for the members who are in exchange going to create new assets, yeah. right? I don't know. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. It's just... I, I what what I was really getting at was I can't like imagine how how good like how flourishing the country was where there was oh, enough yeah. free money around even with donations and work and like that's but, not I'm sorry we we've we've all like done work around the lodge we've all found like all right which brother's an electrician or a plumber and we could fix this that you you're not getting brothers help to go build a building like those buildings like Not the detroit even. masonic temple like i'll show a picture of it is like a Beautiful. city block yeah <laughs> it's insane you know it's it's incredible did uh i mean even i mean the dollar was worth a lot more back then too. well that's what i'm saying <laughs> it's 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 sad that society has moved away from fraternal organizations in general whether it be us, whether it be the Rotarians, the Lions, do you think also the Elks? It's it's in general, society has moved away from spending time with other human beings and just having that instant gratification of like a TikTok or an Instagram, a post, a moment, a snapshot in that person's life, and not experiencing their life with them. I think even speaking to themselves, I mean, we, we look at society today and visual stimulation isn't worshipped as much as it was back in the day. Look at the buildings that are put up, even uh, a municipal building like Grand Central Terminal or what Penn Station used to look like. There, there was that art deco, you know, um, aspect of it where... As you're walking, you're looking around, you're looking up. Everybody's looking down at a, at a cell phone. All the buildings look like glass boxes. They look like Legos. Um, you don't you don't find p 
people decorating the sky with an uh, Empire State Building or uh, the Chrysler Building or some of these other buildings that mm-hmm. are all throughout the city where the stonework and the symbology, like a gargoyle, you know, the, the symbology of having a gargoyle on the side of a building. And it's functional. A lot of, the, a lot of times it was a, a drain, but the gargoyle is supposed to be scarier than evil to keep evil out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of those aspects that went into building a building and, and protecting it and stuff like that, that's gone. You don't mm-hmm. see that anymore. It's whatever's cost efficient, throw it up as fast as possible onto the next one. And you have a sheet. All right, pick one of these five buildings, <laughs> designs, you know? <laughs> right. Do you like square? Do you like rectangle? Yeah. Do you like taller rectangle? Or cubed. <laughs> <laughs> or do you want it out of glass or glass or glass? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I guess it's an it's a, just a, a style of art, you know, architecture, and what we're living in. I don't know if it's a cost thing. It probably partially is. But I mean, even like the checkerboard floor, um, even the way, like the Colosseum, the way that the steps were spaced, was all uh, in line with the anatomy of a person and how they walked. I think still to this day, for the amount of people that the Colosseum holds there's not a stadium that can evacuate as many people because walking out of the Coliseum was second nature. We're walking out of uh, a city field or Yankee stadium. You've got to concentrate on your steps. If it's packed, yeah. if you're running, there's a constant, which slows people down. Um, so I, I don't, I mean, I understand that there's people and I, it's almost like, like the medical field, right? Mm-hmm. You have a doctor, then you have a specialist and you have a specialist and there's another specialist. And then, with buildings, it's kind of like that too. It's like, okay, I'll do the outside. All right, you, this company will do the windows, and we're found the design of a guy who's never built anything before. Not to go against engineers, but you know, doing stuff from the office isn't the same as actually putting a building up. Yeah. You know, like being an iron worker for a couple of years, and then you got promoted, and then you understand the nature of putting things up in different, you know, um, areas. But do you think? Um we're going through kind of like a phase of a very minimalistic type of architecture. Like you're saying, people in their houses try to keep everything very clean, very open concept with everything. Right. It's like music. I mean, my point is like, is, does an open concept building, does it, Draw. See, I've heard it both ways. Does it draw people together, or does it keep people apart? I think it keeps people apart. Why is that? Because again, like I was alluding to, music nowadays. You have very simple beats, very simple music. Where back in the day, you'd have an orchestra, and you'd have a nice. I, I think when it comes to building buildings, you can have all of those aspects, but it's knowing how to put it all together open concept is lazy it looks clean but it 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 creates less of a space to hide right so a lot of times people may avoid that open space go to central park how many people are on the lawn yeah you know uh i think people naturally want to observe and being able to sit in um a theater you know, on the cusp, at the edge and stuff like that. It allows you the opportunity to see but not be seen. Mm-hmm. So I think open concept doesn't bring... It, it's it's lazy architecture, in my opinion. 
also doesn't it doesn't delineate specific purpose right for specific spaces you know it's one thing to have now some open concept is is practical meaning i only have so much square footage nice taste i gotta fit everything i can into it but the fact of having something small and intimate where people are sitting together like if you have a, a living room but the living room is also the kitchen and mm-hmm. it's also the dining room and it's also like yeah you're in the same room but like you're not seeing those that person's facial expressions you're not right on top of them you're not you're not experiencing like kind of their vibe yeah you know when you have a smaller older house like you know like the living room was the living room it was just there was a smaller room where everyone that's where everyone spent time and sat and then the dining room everyone that's where everyone sat and dined and then the kitchen was like just a workspace the kitchen's become more of like a you know everything you know everything's the kitchen now do you think it's going to get worse now i've seen this college classes that look into human interaction and i think why that's also why podcast has kind of taken off people want to see humans interact with each other but as we get into a society where everybody's kind of in their own bubble right i i had a cable guy one time come in and he's like the tv in the living room is going to be a thing of the past everybody's going to have tablets everybody's isolated as people come far further and further away from seeing people interact that art and how to how to um tend to those um experiences are going to fade away as well Mm -hmm. so what's that going to do to architecture what's that going to do to open space what's that going to do to you know to society really because people are going to just start making things for what they feel is comfortable instead of um breeding human interaction what do you think about that well, we've been doing that for quite a while now with with uh, the internet, but I think that's why masonry is starting to have a little bit of a pushback. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of like coming back a little bit with younger people, is now they start to feel that yearning to actually speak and be around, you know, another human being in person. That's that's something that died when the internet age came. You know, with MySpace and Facebook and all that stuff, everyone's like, "Oh, I could." Interact everything from at the time was either just your laptop and then it was just your phone. Yeah, but now I think people are starting to yearn for that that interaction with another person, that experience, you know, with with another human being, like and and experiencing their life with them, you know, and we because we can masonry provide has been providing that forever. We've always been there. It's but, just I think instead of. The social media can be so toxic, you know, and every organization has its headaches. It's not like masonry is is completely, you know, absolved of having its own headaches. It's any organization of, of you know, people are going to have hiccups. But, you know, you learn more and grow more when you're talking to somebody face to face. How many times does it ha- happen where you've sent a text and you go, oh, that could be read wrong? Oh, yeah. This is, yep. It's the inflection or however you read it, or it's it's the mood of the person, you know, that you sent it to, that when they're reading it, it could be read like really crappy or it could be read really well. And how do you get your, your emotion across correctly like that? Also, too, um, I think it goes back to, again, reading the room. You're absolutely right. But how many times you see 
accountability is almost lost too in this internet era where you can say something just delete it and like it never happened or delete that friend or you know just change right. the surroundings where in in real life you can read body language is this person ready to receive what i'm trying to say did this person actually understand mm-hmm. what i was delivering um it, it comes back to like you said it's lazy communication lazy receiving of uh, information not wanting to say what do you, what did you mean by that even yeah. that's lost nowadays well this is what you meant that's not what really I said yeah but this is how I understood it I think masonry helps out a lot with that because for example uh, we've seen disagreements we've seen disagreements in Lodge where one brother has said this brother was around when this happened and then another brother said hey listen that came out wrong well, that's not how I meant it. And then that brother went and apologized. If that was an internet exchange. Oh, God, forget it. It would have, that, that could have bred years of, of, of um, beef, as the kids nowadays would say. <laughs> <laughs> it would, it, it, and then you would have lost friends, stuff like that splits lodges. It breeds unhealthy environments. Mm-hmm. I mean, Look at election years, what they do to, to certain families when you, you're on Facebook arguing about this person or that person and political views. What does that do, you know? It kind of brings brings it to kind of, we didn't really touch on, I kind of wanted to start the, you know, the first episode of this season, our second season, which I'm proud that we, you know, went made into a second season. And uh, thank you to everybody who listens to us. Um our podcast is, is a bit different, I think, for Masonic podcasts, is that we kind of just go with it. So um, if anyone saw our posts where, you know, I'm reading from uh, Brother Teddy Roosevelt's, one of his speeches, The Man in the Arena, that's kind of where this conversation's kind of, I'm glad it, it went actually naturally. And I think uh, I kind of want it to be the theme of this season is The Man in the Arena. Um, how, how do Masons and how does a man deal with the world around him head on Yeah, and not, and not just kind of just brushing it off, you know, going back to what we just said about having that interaction face to face with a brother, you know, not hiding in another place in another room, you know, actually putting yourself in uncomfortable situations so you can grow and not avoiding it, you know. If you don't live it, if you're not in it, you're never going to grow. And I like that about masonry when you apply it out in the real world is you're forced to make those decisions. And if you avoid them, you won't grow as a person, you won't grow as a mason. Right. It's it's struggle where character is built. But, you know, like you said... Um, this this podcast is really tailored on how Masons meet, act, and part. There are historical um, aspects of it where we might speak on certain facts or uh, certain interpretations of ritual, but really I, I feel that this podcast is tailored to show a greater whole how Masons coexist. How do we meet, act, and part? Mm-hmm. You know how when you meet a mason, it's usually uh, somebody of service. What can I do for you? And when we act, even if a, a brother was to 
error somewhere, it's my duty, it's your duty to protect that brother's name, protect his honor. Yeah. You know, scold him in, not scold, but correct in, in private and build. We make good men better, not good men bitter. Yeah. I say that all the time. But, um, yeah, uh, that's that's definitely the the main drive for this podcast is how we interpret current events, past events, um, how we interact, um, how we dissect information, deliver information. And as we're doing that, we're in the arena making ourselves better because by, by any means we're not we're not right. professionals at this well, but that's kind of why 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 I brought up the whole like right. man in the arena thing is like like you just said it forces you to deal with that interaction in a place in a lodge you can deal with those un, those uncomfortable situations where in regular life you there might be a lot more ex, at stake you know Meaning, like you're interacting with a boss or a coworker that can go south and get yourself in a lot of trouble. So you learn in lodge and you learn amongst your brothers because you have that that baseline of trust that I can work through how I would handle this situation with them knowing that your best intentions are. I'm trying to get through this and learn how to handle this, so that when you go out into the real world. You don't run from it, right? One of one of the one of my favorite um, sayings in Lodge, and you, you've heard it so many times, is, you know, charge my head, not my heart. Mm-hmm. My intentions were pure, um, my character is pure, but the decision may have been, maybe misinterpreted uh, emotion that I viewed, or just you know emotion as in in regards to logic, but. You have to welcome those things, right? Your greatest opponent also, in a scale, measures how worthy you are of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I think in masonry, whether it's learning a degree, performing a degree or in a lecture, getting better, you know, failing at something says you tried. It's so important. And in a Masonic Lodge, it's almost a controlled experiment. How am I? How is this going to work in the real world? Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it's it's your it's our quarry, right? Right. That's where we go to work, and if you make a mistake, you can make a mistake there because it's not going out into the building, quite quite yet. No. You know, it's the building being either your spiritual building or the building being the world. You know, you could work on your skills there amongst other more skilled craftsmen. And that can teach that, you. Yeah. It can, that's where you learn things. That's where you learn how to, you know, coexist, coexist among, with other 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 men and and the world around yeah. you. And you know, for us, it's trying to show the world that it's not it's not a nefarious thing. And it's no. you know, it's going back to the beginning of this whole thing. It's it's. It's near and dear to a lot of us, and when you attack it, whether it's intentional or not, you know, it upsets us, and we should speak out on it because there is a lot of of good work being done by Masons, whether it's active for somebody else or for themselves, and to, yeah. for someone to have a bad impression of Masonry because of 
a movie, again, whether it's intentional or not, and miss out on it because they may have a preconceived notion of it that is completely false, that's a sad thing. Yeah, not only that, but I mean, to see somebody go through that and then you see as a Mason, you're like, I didn't I didn't go through that. And that's yeah. not we don't do that stuff. Um, Except for the goat. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, if you stop at every dog that barks, you're never going to get anywhere. So you're not you don't have to defend masonry to every Illuminati <laughs> believer or every conspiracy theorist. But when you have something. But did you get your Illuminati card? Uh you didn't get your Illuminati card? No, I didn't. Renewed yet? No, I didn't. Like, oh, I did And I didn't get the always, $500 that they were supposed to I give know. me, too. They're always behind me. It's crazy. <laughs> For somebody who's always controlling the world, <laughs> yeah. that's my joke. I always like tell people, like, oh, my God, the Masons, they control the world. I'm like, dude, if the Masons control the world, would we be paying property taxes on our buildings? You know, would <laughs> come on. You know, we, would, uh, we wouldn't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Every gr- lodge... In the entire country, in the entire world, would be like a palatial lodge where, like, we didn't have to worry about anything, and you know, brothers are every brother was showing up in a Mercedes Benz. Like, yeah, come on, the and everyone's like, oh, you're just a low level Mason, like, bro. We we've all been to our grand lodge. We have a very beautiful grand lodge building, but it's a gigantic office building with some beautiful lodge rooms in it. Right, you know, it's not a castle, you know. Uh, but a lot of Grand Lodges are, are fairly modest. You know, they're beautiful buildings, but they're not, you know, insane Grand Lodges. You know, it's, um, I think people just like to try to, they get lazy and they want to, they want to think, you know, it's almost like uh, romantic that there is some sort That's of it. crazy. Yeah, the conspiracy, right. That's... You know, and I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I have my own beliefs about there being people that run stuff, you know, but. <laughs> You know, to to take the easy way out and just say it's all Freemasons. You know, it's 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 just lazy thinking. You know, if if they wanted to do that, they, they want you to think it's something as as blatant as the as Freemasons. You know, or Illuminati that don't exist. You yeah. know, it's much more reasonable to think that it's just a bunch of rich people that could just buy and do whatever they want. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, it goes back again. Lazy information. You got to give it to some of these conspiracy theorists that sit in their basement. Oh, the mental gymnastics that some of these guys oh, have yeah. to go through to connect. It's almost like stuff. the flat yeah. Earth like people. Which, Danny, please hashtag flat earthers because we'll start that <laughs> whole psychotic thing. Or if it flies, it spies. Oh, oh birds aren't real. We've done that before. <laughs> yep, yep. Birds and turtles aren't real. <laughs> um, but yeah, listen, I'm glad we got rolling again. I know we we're kind of knocking off the cobwebs. Um, we got, uh, brother Jimmy on his way here, right? Yes, sir. All right. So we'll, uh, get him into the next episode. Um, I think this is a good place to stop. I'm glad that we, you know, got sitting back down and, and got going again on season two. It's, um, it's going to be a good year. I'm excited. And, um, we're going to try to do some new things, try to get some, um, kind of interaction with our listeners try to do some uh, lives with some other podcasters, some other Masonic podcasters. Uh, we've got a couple surprises in store, yeah, me and you. got a couple brothers, too, from the district that are making a lot of noise out there. They're, they're leaving a little bit of them in the Masonic structure of the district uh, and in, in New York, for that example, well, for, 
for lack of better words. Um, so I'm very excited to to speak to those brothers. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good season. It's gonna be a good year, and we kind of understand how to do this now. Yeah, I think we're <laughs> I think we're doing okay. Yeah, you know, we, we've always said we started this off just so me and you could have some fun. And yeah, if, if two if the only two people that listen to it is is uh, me and you, we would have been happy. Um, but it, it it is it is exciting. I'm excited about the people we've got coming this year that we're gonna we have we're gonna interview and uh, the grotto. The grotto. Oh, we'll talk about that with with Jimmy. Yeah, the grotto that we're starting. It's exciting stuff. It's uh, it's going to be a good year. So um, that is uh, episode one of the fourth part podcast. Thank you everybody for joining us, um, and we'll see you on the next episode. Safe travels. Happy New Year and Happy New Year, twenty twenty four. How many times are you going to write twenty twenty three on stuff? I don't write. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs>